Welcome to the Creative Times Summit podcast, where each episode brings you a talk from our annual convening for thinkers, dreamers, and doers working at the intersection of art and politics. Find out more at creativetime.org. This summit podcast features writer, artist, and curator Ted Purvis. Ted was a professor at the California College of the Arts, serving as the chair for the first ever graduate program for social practice in the U.S. He spoke at our 2011 summit, Living as Form. I'd like to thank Creative Time, especially Nato Thompson, for inviting me to this gathering. It's, um, it's a real honor to be here. I've heard about it for a few years, and I see that it's quickly becoming a real meeting point for consideration of cultural practice in the social and public sphere. If social practice has become something of a field, then I would mark my own formal or professional entry to about 10 years ago when I was given the opportunity to curate a weekend symposium and a project series for the CCA Wattis Institute for Contemporary Art in San Francisco. This is called Generosity Projects, and it brought together practitioners and curators, including Jeanne Van Hayswick, Temporary Services, Carlos Viswaldo, and many others. This event was subsequently edited in, into a book called What We Want is Free. And while both the book and the weekend program were centered on looking at projects and practices that specifically focused on producing or managing gifts and exchanges, that lens was also wide enough to cover the more general dynamics of artist and audience interactions. And it had some bearing on the larger subject of collaboration and participating publics. These subjects have proven to be of continuing interest, and I find myself now, 10 years later, preparing a revised and expanded edition of What We Want Is Free, which will be published sometime in late 2012, early 2013. The prospect of revisiting that book has given some space for reflection on what has changed in 10 years, not simply what has changed about the specifics of exchange-based art projects, but also what has changed around them, the overarching context of both the art world and the world at large. There have been active changes in programming at scores of museums and art fairs to commission participatory and interactive projects. As many as a dozen colleges and universities, including my own, I should disclose, have expanded their MFA programs to include or focus on social or public practice. There are at least two annual conferences dedicated to this topic and growing numbers of books and articles examining various aspects of how artists and artworks are intersecting with both the public sphere and the world at large. Given all of this, I wanted to take the opportunity of this presentation to make some general remarks about the pursuit of social practice and think through some of the questions that still remain open. As the number of artists interested in making works in the public sphere increases and ever more varied activations of social space are positioned as art projects, a significant portion of critical writing in the field has been focused on questions of aesthetics. How or why certain projects can be considered artworks, how one might construct rubrics for estimating their aesthetic worth, this line of inquiry has also given rise to thinking about what could be termed the uniqueness of social practices, with an interest in creating a set of criteria that could delineate qualities specific to them and absent from other arts practices. While these critical inquiries are of interest, they are also directed towards assessing these projects almost entirely within the context of the art world, and this for a form of practice that more often than not is willfully situated outside of the gallery system that engages everyday people and often adopts non-art forms as part of its public strategy seems to be a missed opportunity. Developing critical positions around these projects that are related to other areas of social theory seems like a clear priority. And for me, this has led to a question of social form. 
So sociologist Georg Simmel defines social form as the mode of interaction among individuals through or in a shape which specific content achieves social reality. This is distinct from social content, which is considered to be the interest, purpose, or motivation of an interaction. As such, a social form could be something like a market stall, or a protest march, or a meeting at work, or a wedding. Considering social projects from the vantage point of form shifts the discussion away from a project's quality and moves it towards a consideration of a project's capacity. What is a work's agency? How does it operate within the social world? How does its status as an artwork affect its occupation of a social form, if at all? In looking back at the research and writing done in the process of creating what we want is free, it's clear that insufficient attention was given to questions of form. The projects discussed in the book were largely thought about in terms of the content of the exchange, the qualities of participation between the artists and their varied audiences, and the meetings that might arise from them. What was not sufficiently considered was the forms themselves and the way in which they shape the project's interaction with the world. Well, it may seem a rather obvious example, there's a difference between a temporary store created as an art project in a museum and a temporary store created as an art project located in a storefront on a shopping street in a neighborhood. In the language of contemporary art, we would consider this to be a question of context. But in other discourses, this can be seen as a shift in social form. Context might give us some information about the specific differences in experience that each store might generate, i.e. it might tell us how these two stores are different. But I think that thinking about these as social forms might give us much more of an idea about how people actually enter into them and interact in each of them. It might supply an idea of why they are different. The point of entry is always important. We enter a store as a prospective shopper. We enter a museum as a visitor who is then asked to become a shopper. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the exhibition living as form this evening. I have a small worry that it might serve to cap things off. Large survey exhibitions sometimes have the unintended consequence of serving as a punctuation point that ends a sentence. The rest, as they say, is history. I hope against this because I believe there's still a great deal of work that socially based art projects can take on. In his essay, The Subject and Power, Michel Foucault wrote, maybe the most certain of all philosophical problems is the problem of the present time, of what we are at this very moment. This sentence builds upon his reading of a question raised by Kant almost two years prior. Was heist auf Klarung, which Foucault elaborated to mean, what is going on just now? What is happening to us? What is this world, this period, this precise moment in which we are living? I am convinced that socially based art practices occupy a position that is potentially advantageous in regards to engaging with this question. They seize this advantage through the use of tools and methodologies that actively seek to pluralize content or meaning that a project might generate. Tools such as collaboration, crowdsourcing, reportage, interviews, co-creative techniques, creation of convivial spaces, deterring of management systems. All of these techniques that artists marshal to accompany social projects are also ways of articulating the we, often at the expense of the I. The frequent relocation of these art projects into the world at large also gives an opportunity for artists to experimentally occupy long-standing social forms and repurpose them into more idiosyncratic and more subjective ends. Whether these forms are temporary shops or free newspapers or push carts or public meetings, they possess the potential to alter our understanding of what potential these social forms might hold. Such projects might not, might not simply inform us about the present world in which we are living. They might also generate another one and another one alongside. Thank you. Lead support for this podcast 
comes from the Trust for Mutual Understanding, Blum Media International, and the Blum Family Foundation. Additional Creative Time support is provided by the Ford Foundation, Lambent Foundation, Toby Devin Lewis, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, as well as Creative Time's generous trustees and individual donors. Since 1972, Creative Time has worked with artists to contribute to the dialogues, debates, and dreams of our times. To show your support for Creative Time, please visit creativetime.org slash join.